everyone, and welcome to the Gazette's Fact Checker podcast. Excited to be here today for a bit of a doozy of a fact check, but should be good, should be informative, hopefully. Um, but before we really dig into it, uh, let's introduce the team. My name's Michaela. I'm the healthcare reporter for the Gazette. I'm Erin Jordan. I'm the Gazette's investigative reporter. I'm John Steppi. I cover business. I'm Marissa Payne. I cover Cedar Rapids government. We, we just kill these introductions every time. I love it. <laughs> the time we decide to wing it. <laughs> and it just goes so smoothly. <laughs> Power podcast. Anyway, um, so glad to, to be back here this week. Uh, like I said, we are going to be uh, checking a little bit of a heavy, um, informative, I should say, maybe not heavy, but um, this week uh, we had a request come through from uh, Tax March Iowa, which is um, an advocacy group, um, suggested this television ad that was airing across the Cedar Rapids market. Uh, doing a little bit of research, this ad has actually been airing nationwide. Um, but because it aired in Cedar Rapids, sort of made it fair game for us to take a look at it. Um, but essentially, the, the premise of the ad is to talk about efforts um, at Capitol Hill and at the White House to lower the cost of drugs. Now, this has been a conversation um, for some time now, but uh, it seems to be maybe taking more of an emphasis um, after President Joe Biden made some statements that that uh, lowering drug costs was going to be a priority for his administration. Um, but the ad itself was released by a trade group that represents drug companies in the U.S. called Pharma, uh, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America. Um, the ad features a woman named Sue who says she relies on Medicare for her type 1 diabetes medication. Um, and in the 30-second clip, she states that some in Congress, quote, want to make it harder for Medicare patients to obtain the patients they need. Um, and also in the ad, she states, quote, they want to repeal protection in Medicare that protects access to my med medicines. Um, they call it negotiation, but what it really means is the government decides what medicines I can get. That would make it harder for people on Medicare to get the medicines they need. Now, let's just dive right into that. Um, really, at the heart of this discussion um, is a thing called a non-interference clause. Um, so that's a provision within Medicare when it passed years ago that essentially prevents um, the federal government from having a direct role in negotiating drug prices under Medicare Part D, which is the portion of the health insurance program that covers prescription drug costs. Um, so currently, the prices of drugs, so whatever um, these uh, pharmaceutical companies have to pay, or excuse me, whatever these pharmacies have to pay, um, that is negotiated really between manufacturers, private health plans, and pharmacies. Government really has no role in, in naming or negotiating a price. <clears throat> so in 2019, the House passed the Elijah E. Cummings Lower Drug Costs Now Act. Um, which did include a provision that would enable the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Secretary to negotiate prices for a select number of drugs that do not have a generic alternative. So these are the brand name drugs that this is really kind of the only option that Medicare patients would have. Um, but the legislation would also kind of give some power to the secretary. Um, and really give him or her the ability to impose an additional tax on these companies if they don't reach an agreement between with the federal government on a specific price point. So, you know, 
the fact checker, this is pretty typical for us to reach out to the group or the individual behind specific claims to kind of get context and background behind these statements. So that is what I did. I reached out to Pharma and they said that the ad was really based on proposals within this legislation. They did know that um, the ad also pertains to other statements that have been made by legislators um, and also from the White House. Um, specifically, they, they talked about President Joe Biden's um, executive order that he issued on August 12th um, that stated his administration supports aggressive legislative reforms that would lower prescription drug costs, including by allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. So this ad really pertains to all of those statements, but we really took a look at the bill, which was um, HR3, because this is really kind of the first piece of legislation that has made it this far that, that includes these kind of provisions. Um, I will note this bill, um, it did pass the House in 2019, but did not pass the Senate, but it has been reintroduced this year um, into the new sessions. So we'll take a look would this actually be successful in lowering drug costs? And analysis conducted by the Congressional Budget Office found that it would. Um, they published a paper in February 2021 that found it would reduce drug prices between 57 to 75%. Um, in addition, CMS are the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. They also found the drug price negotiation provisions would reduce spending in Medicare Part D um, by enrollees by uh, 117 billion between a 10-year period, 2020 and 2020, excuse me, 2020 and 2029, um, and really that includes um, 102.6 billion cost cut in cost sharing for beneficiaries who use drugs under uh, Part D and subject to no negotiation. So essentially, they're saying premiums would be cut and out-of-pocket costs would be cut for these beneficiaries if the, if the drugs they are taking are subject to this negotiation. So pretty big cut in, in spending, at least. Um, however, Pharma, um, I got an email from Pharma Executive Vice President uh, of Public Affairs, Deborah Deschamps. She said in an email that government negotiation would, quote, inevitably limit patient choice, especially if that policy is intended as a cost-cutting measure. So she has specifically pointed to an analysis that was conducted last year by the Hayden Consulting Group, which I will note works exclusively and works a lot with pharmaceutical companies. Um, but that group stated the bill would create a preference for drugs, essentially, with reduced prices, um, which in turn would reduce um, money return or incentive for research and pharmaceutical intervention and essentially improving these drugs that people rely on. Um, but really, I think at the heart of the argument is that, you know, if government negotiated prices or government negotiated drugs were cheaper, health plans would steer patients to those, quote, government select drugs is what this ad really, or the, the people behind this ad really say, um, to keep costs low and ultimately that would lead to fewer options for patients. So essentially, if uh, these health plans get a cheaper cost for this drug versus this drug, they're ultimately gonna steer patients toward this cheaper health drug, even though this other drug might be better for the patient, but they no longer have that option to receive that drug because it's no longer covered under their plan. So in quote, she states, um, Deborah DeShong states, um, 
The long-term implications for the marketplace are that the government is picking winners and establishing a de facto group of preferred medicines that limits access and choice. Um, and pharma did also point to a line within the uh, Congressional Budget Office analysis that I talked about earlier. Um, they did theorize that manufacturing companies, if they did fail to reach a, a, an agreement with the federal government, that they would choose just to take that drug off the market rather than pay this additional tax that's being proposed under this legislation. However, a spokesperson for the House Finance Committee really kind of pushed back on this. Um, there was an article that the Washington Post did about this legislation and about um, the implications for this legislation. And the spokesman told the reporter that the legislation is really not intended to prevent access to medications for Medicare Part D uh, patients. Um, in addition, most drugs really wouldn't be subject to negotiation under this provision. Again, this is really limited to drugs that do not have a generic alternative. Um, and in addition, there's nothing in the legislation that would um, change or uh, otherwise revise kind of that protected class of drugs. So under Medicare Part D, there's a protected class of drugs where Medicare Part D plans have to offer these type of drugs. Um, and I didn't want to get into the specifics of that. That's a little bit, but essentially that nothing would change as far as what drugs Medicare Part D patients are guaranteed. Um, so in, in my mind, I sort of see this ad, you know, I think the ad does make a fair statement. There would be long-term implications for this kind of policy, not just kind of for the marketplace, but also um, maybe the way people choose their medications or the way health plans I essentially choose medications. But um, I thought it was misleading, though, in that proposals like this legislation are designed to restrict access to drugs for Medicare Part D patients. Um, and in addition, it, it really is trying to paint the worst case scenario in my mind. Um, so I ultimately landed on a D for this ad, but would love to hear what the team thinks and get your feedback on this. As I hear you talk through it, Michaela, um, I'm reminded just that this is only a subset of drugs that don't have generic alternatives. And it's only, um, you know, and I shouldn't say only Medicare, because obviously Medicare covers a huge portion of Americans. But I feel like the ad is designed to make people think, this is all drugs for everyone, you know, and that they're, you're not going to have choice for anything. And that it's like, you know, um, you know, just socialized medicine all the way. And I, I think that is so incredibly misleading that, you know, I think you've done a really good job of explaining why that's so misleading. And then the idea that um, the intent of the members of Congress would be to um, increase drug price or make people pay more or to, or to reduce choice, I guess, mm -hmm. is laughable. I mean, as if any elected official would want that on their record, you know? Um, so anyway, I just, uh, I think those are all my, you know, overarching takes on this. And I, I agree with the D, but um, yeah, I mean, there's some other fine points to discuss too, but I'll be quiet for a minute. I kind of echo what Aaron was saying about um, how I think it's really important that you noted that most drugs would not be subject to this negotiation process. 
because when you're reading about what the ad says, you're thinking, oh, wow, this this is some elderly person. And I think, wow, I'm not going to be able to get that medication I need. What does that do for me? That does this mean I can't be healthy or worse? But that really isn't what this bill that is being referred to is really talking about. And it's kind of really hinging on a hypothetical of, well, if this happens and this happens, and the fact that um, pharma really couldn't pull, or the fact that kind of all of their evidence points toward either what they're just saying themselves or what a consulting group that works with that industry and well works for that industry says that kind of a lot of that evidence I kind of really put an asterisk on that yeah yeah and to their benefit they did also point to that congressional budget office analysis and I mean even they theorized that it was a potential that drug manufacturers could choose to just take the drug off the market rather than pay this additional tax um, I don't think it's been laid out like what that tax or how much it would, um, but but I agree with you. I think there it is kind of worth an asterisk when they're pointing to a consulting group that really kind of works exclusively with pharmaceutical companies and sort of studies their market. Um, I I think that um, you know just the fear mongering that goes along with you know drug prices is incredible in politics, and um, you know they're politicians on both sides really try to um, play this card, especially with, you know, older folks who are the bulk of the voters, you know, a lot of, you know, these, this is a group that goes out in mass to vote and these are issues that are important to them. And um, I don't know, I guess too, I don't, I, I have trouble feeling too sorry for big drug companies and maybe that's a bias. Maybe that's not as informed as it could be, but um, I feel like that uh, we see new drugs coming out all the time, new commercials for drugs, and I just have a hard time believing that with a narrow subset of medications that they're trying to make keep the cost down, that uh, that, that is going to significantly harm their R&D budgets. Yeah, and I thought it was, you know, to that point, Aaron, um, it was really interesting to me at one point, one, one piece of their defense was like, well, if drug costs were lower, then there won't be enough money for research or innovation. Um, it was interesting to me that they sort of stated in that moment that like, yeah, that cost and sort of that the money we acquire from that is on the backs of patients who pay for these drugs, their out-of-pocket costs or the premiums they put to health plans. Um, I thought that was interesting that they sort of stated, you know, people pay so much money and really that helps us with our research. And granted, there there definitely is a place for research and, and improving these medications, but should that be on patients? Right. I mean, maybe the they should be lobbying the National Institutes of Health to, um, you, know, you know, lobbying Congress to increase the budget for the National Institutes of Health to fund more drug study. Right. And another, um, I ultimately didn't include this in the fact checker, but at, at one point in, in this email that I got from Pharma, they talked about how um, other countries, uh, you know, they sort of have these formularies or these limited drug choices from their health plans. 
Um, and they sort of talked about like, well, drugs that are available in the United States aren't available yet in these other countries because, um, which is, you know, kind of a valid point, but it was also sort of raising the point of, okay, so then the United States is bearing the brunt of this cost then too, or bearing the brunt of sort of your profit, so to speak. I mean, it, it kind of seems like at the crux of this argument is, um, you know, a debate that we see in other policy areas of, you know, capitalism versus socialism and the fear mongering to Aaron's point, um, you know, of, okay, if we lean toward more like socialist policies that make it less cost prohibitive for everyone and, you know, get more like government funding behind these things, how is that going to affect, um, you know, the choice that we have? because, you know, some believe that capitalism drives innovation and, um, you know, to their argument in the ad, like government research um, that, you know, fuels this industry. Um, but yeah, I mean, since I, I agree with the grade, since there's um, like what Michaela mentioned with the kind of class of drugs that wouldn't even be affected in negotiations. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, that is a really good point, um, Marissa. And that, that was sort of what I was thinking about too. Um, because really the, the ad is about um, whether people like Sue who have type 1 diabetes would no longer be able to access prescriptions that she needs. Um, the evidence that I found didn't really point to that. Um, and so that's that's ultimately what brought the grade down for me. Um, but I, I didn't land on an F just because I do think they have a fair point that there could be market implications that we don't quite understand yet. Um, but again, kind of what I said in the conclusion, this seemed like worst case scenario that they were touting. Um, and even then there's not a ton of evidence that this actually would be the worst case scenario. Yeah, I agree with the grade too. I think that when you're watching that ad, you think that all of a sudden, all these drugs are going to increase in prices, and this is imminent. And really, their argument kind of rests on kind of a lot of theoretically this could happen. Um, so I think that keeps it from an F because there is that kind of kernel of possibility there. But it seems to be more false than true in my mind. Yeah, I'm on board with the D. Perfect. Okay. Well, that, um, that settles that then. Thank you guys for the feedback on that. I appreciate that. I know this was a ton of information, but you guys had good, good feedback. So thank you for that. Um, but it sounds like we are looking at a potential fact check for next week from Aaron, right? Uh, yeah, the one that we're looking at, um, this is a tweet from Jeff Kaufman, the GOP chair in Iowa. Um, about Liz Mathis, who has announced that she plans to run for Congress in Iowa's first congressional district um, against, um, um, I'm blanking, Ashley Hinson. And so the, the statement that Jeff made on Twitter, um, he said, liberal Liz Mathis has never met a tax increase she didn't like. She even voted against the largest tax cut in Iowa history. Um, the first part of that statement, we wouldn't be able to check. It's it's uh, very subjective. 
but um, she even voted against the largest tax cut in Iowa history is something we can check. And we thought this was a good one to check because it's um, a statement that's also been made by um, Representative Hinson. And, um, you know, and, and that's going to be a, a really um, high profile race this campaign season. Um, and so we kind of just wanted to get out there and check that statement at this point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because that's like you said, that's not the first time I've heard that claim. So would love to know what this biggest tax in, or tax cut in history is. I'm, I'm curious what that is because I'm not sure what that is off the top of my head. Perfect. Okay. Well, I think that's a wrap for this week. Um, our fact check uh, is edited by Craig Jamolis. Our podcast that you're listening to right now is produced by Stephen Colbert. And the music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. I'm Michaela. I'm Erin. I'm John. I'm Marissa. And we'll fact check you later.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.